Welcome to podcast. Welcome to podcast. Good job, Scott. <laughs> Welcome to Ported, a podcast about video games, old and new, and the people who play them. I'm Scott Taylor. And I'm Kyle Starr. So, Kyle, what is new this week? Oh, man. For me, uh, I finished um, I finished Final Fantasy, the first one. Okay. That's a bit of a slog. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know total hours gameplay? Uh for me it was um I'll peg it at 18. It felt like 40. <laughs> no joke. I I I thought like when I was looking at the the total the total hours um yeah. I swear to god I thought I was going to see 40 hours. Yeah. It was 18 um about halfway through is this is going to be a trend. Yeah. Um I cheated the witness and then <laughs> after I'd done that it was it's a slippery slope. Yeah. You cheat one game, you want to cheat them all. And <laughs> you fell off the wagon, yeah, man. You're doing so good. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so there's there's a point in Final Fantasy, the very first one, which I think is for it being it came out in um eighty eight, I think. And so there's I give it a lot of credit for a lot of things that it did in ninety eight. Like to create a game or an eighty eight, to create a game that long on NES, something mm-hmm. that's eighteen to twenty hours long, that's that's incredible. Um, I, I didn't think that that, that would be the case. I thought it would be, you know, maybe a 10 hour game or so anyways. And from a technical perspective, just really quickly from a technical perspective, fitting that much content in as little storage space as was on that little cartridge is also pretty incredible. Oh yeah. The whole thing, the whole thing's amazing. Um, yeah. and there's a point in it about halfway through, um, you go through this, these series of trials and at the end of it, the four characters that you had picked, um, at the very beginning of the game, you get to choose four characters. You get to choose their class, give them a name, yada, yada, yada. And halfway through, um, you go through these trials. And at the end of the trials, they, um, they, their classes upgrade. And it's almost the equivalent of like Pokemon evolving. Okay. And so I, it, I don't know why it blows my mind, but it, it somehow blows my mind that at some point, the characters that you selected change. They upgrade. They, they become grander than what they were before and gain all these abilities halfway through the game and it's like they the designers of the first final fantasy to think that you know all that through all that is um i thought was kind of amazing um needless to say by the end of it i was just i was so tired of random encounters random battles all this sort of stuff it's awful um (laughs) so i just grabbed a game facts and kind of went through it yeah how should i beat this um, in most cases, I, I plowed through it. I, I was mainly using the game facts for um, a map, like where to go next. Yeah. There is, does it have a world map? No, it doesn't. Yeah. At least not that I could find. Yeah. Um, so you, I would have loved if all you had to do was hit select and then boom, there it was. I and you hadn't thought it. it the whole time. <laughs> I'd played the game for 15 hours and I still kept trying to find out like where, yeah. where's the map? Like yeah. this is the ridiculous. <laughs> I kept Google searching Final Fantasy map, seeing the same map and then that map had little numbers on the points that I had to go to, you know, yeah. one after the other <laughs> anyways. Um, but yeah, playing through this thing, like that, that was really what I used it for was the map. Where do I need to go to next? I'll figure that out on my yeah. own until I got to the last boss chaos, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. Um, what a bastard. <laughs> I just like it, it, very difficult. All of a sudden the difficulty spike goes through the roof. Yeah. Um, in all honesty, it ended up being an easy, semi easier battle than I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, he did knock out my entire party down, save for one guy. Um, yeah. One guy named Wedge. I like that guy. He's a good guy. He was <laughs> is my that a Star Wars fe- reference. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. I'll take yeah. it though. <laughs> yeah. Wedge is the clutch, man. Yeah. Um, he was a thief, upgraded to ninja, and he ended up taking the game. All Crushed. three of my other guys are down. Yeah. You know? But now Wedge. Baron's down. Sarah's down. Stella's down. They were all down. <laughs> Wedge came out There's of nowhere. Wedge. Had 118 Wedge. health life or yeah. health left. Took down Chaos. One fell swoop. Yeah. It was great. Anyways, um, so I beat that game. I've been playing that game since I was probably eight ish or nine, yeah. like on and off. Um so that was triumphant. <laughs> so twenty years and uh eighteen hours later you finally did it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't remember much from 
when I was young, except for beating, like, there's the first dungeons, kind of intro to the game. You play yeah. this dungeon, you beat this guy named Garland, and, uh, you know, without saying too much, I guess I can give a spoiler alert for a game that's... 30 years old? 30 years old, yeah, sure. 40 years no, old? No, not 40. 88, 98? Yeah, you're no, right. Like 30, okay, let's like, go with 30, We're not yeah. even at 30 yet, but yeah, we're getting there. Close. <laughs> um, it all kind of loops back around to this guy that I've killed over and over and over, and it almost has a really kind of cool ending for somebody who has played this game over and over and over without ever actually beating it yeah uh, so that said if you have played final fantasy over and over and over and never actually beat the game the ending yeah. will make a hell of a lot of sense to you which is sort of mind-blowing in a yeah. really really weird way um and now i'm starting final fantasy 2 which reminds me a lot of final fantasy 11 no, yeah. nope. And you've got a 12. lot of them to go, don't you? I don't know. Yeah. They're, yeah, well, we'll get there. Um, it's that and presidential biographies. I've got this plan. I'm going to beat all the Final Fantasies, and I'm going to read a biography on every one of the U.S. presidents. We'll see. We'll see how far I get, how long it's going to take me. Yeah. Um, so I, I've started that. Next week's episode, Kyle gives up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's probably what's going to happen. <laughs> Stay tuned in 10 years when I finally, finally finish. Yeah. Um. And I started playing Ori and the Blind Forest. And you did. You did it. Good God. That's a game. You feeling good about it? I love it. So it popped up when I logged on to Xbox top right-hand corner. New game or new release game, I guess. Uh, DL watched some videos about it. Didn't pull the trigger on it. But I'm going to, I believe, because uh, we've talked about it so much. I've read, and I mean, tell me from your experience so far. I've read it... Uh, it presents itself as maybe more simple than it actually is. There's a lot more, you know, deep mechanics to the game, and it is a challenging game to play. Very. Um, so thank God there's there's an easy mode in this. I bought the definitive edition, and yeah. I don't know all the ins and outs. I didn't play it when it first came out back in, mm-hmm. you know, way back in March of 2015. Um, it's a long, that's a long time, video game speak. I mean, yeah. to think about what's come out since then, I don't know. I was pulling up a list earlier. I couldn't find it. Anyways... Um, it there is an easy mode which I selected because yeah. yes I just want to kind of get through it I want to experience this whole thing um, as easy as possible as quickly as possible um, so I selected that but it's it's still challenging the puzzles mm-hmm. are challenging um, I don't know it's it's a good good game I'm I it's a I guess it's a Metroidvania game although I've never played a Castlevania game so I'd say it's a Metroid style game yeah um you know, where you can kind of scour this 2D open world. If you get to an area that you're not really ready for, you'll quickly understand you're not ready for that. And you Mm -hmm. maybe need to take another path somewhere else to find something that will help you out in that, you know, in said area. Yeah. Um, And so, I mean, it pulls directly from, from Metroid. It's going to feel a lot like a Metroid game, mechanically speaking. Yeah. Um, Or just the, you know, just the things that they do, the weapon upgrades, all this sort of stuff. Um, but the like the visuals, the animation, the music is yeah. incredible. Like there's part of it that makes me feel like I'm playing the game Bambi. Like really? Bam- yeah, the old school, you know, Bambi movie, just super yeah. like much more vibrant and and alive. Um and then the music, it, it reminds me a lot of the I'm reluctant to say the Journey soundtrack, but... I felt like you were going to say that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not quite, but it's it still has that that really rich, rich um, score to it. Um, the characters are cute and interesting. The the bad guys are, I mean, over the top, and they, they surprise you. It's yeah. it's a hell of a game, and I'm really excited about it. So it was hard for me to put down today. I played about three hours, three hours or so, I think. And Okay. Had a hard time putting it down. Yeah, I think it'll be something I pick up. I'm debating though. There are a couple games on you know my plate right now. One of which is The Division. I wanted um, to ask. I wanted to ask yeah. how that's going now. You're a weekend, yeah. I think. I'm a weekend. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm not fully leveled yet. There are people who you know fully leveled in the first couple of days. I'm not you know there yet, but I am enjoying it. It does have you know some play repeat play repeat sections um it is an open world game so that's kind of bound to happen 
But nonetheless, I'm enjoying it. And from what I'm reading, it sounds like there's some pretty good endgame content that'll keep you coming back. So I'm enjoying that so far. Next one, possibly that I'm interested in getting in, Quantum Break. I've been reading about that one now for what feels like five years. I think it legitimately is about two or three years that they announced it. I think they announced uh, it when they, they announced out. when they announced it's, the console, right? They did. I believe it was that yeah. far back. And here we are uh, years later now, and it's finally coming out. So that's cool. I think I'll pick that one up. Uh, when it comes out next month. And if I understand, that's like a, they're doing this weird thing where it's the kind of a game TV show hybrid. Like you're going to be playing the game, but then you're also yeah. going to have these sort of real life or real actor driven cutscenes cut and, and TV Yeah, you know, I think we talked sort of. a little bit about that last week. It is going to be something interesting because those are not going to be, from what I understand, installed. Those are going to be streamed. So you actually have mm. to have an internet connection to be able to get that content, which I think is pretty interesting. But it somewhat reminds me, and I'm guessing they pull really heavily from that style. There's a game called Alan Wake. I'm not yep. sure if you played that game. I did. But interestingly enough, I believe if you buy it, it does come bundled with Alan Wake and the expansion packs on Xbox One. So... That's interesting to me. It sounds like it pulls from that a little bit because that was a very similar style that Alan Wake had. There were, uh, there was an ongoing side story within the game. It was a TV show or it was a radio show. I forget. And uh, it sounds like it might be kind of along those lines. I'm curious. I haven't seen any gameplay in a long time from it, but I do think it'll be one that I'll pick up. Yeah, I remember seeing the gameplay back when they announced it, I think. And it was sort of this, you know, they they pitched it as this over-the-top visually, yeah. you know, visual-heavy game. Um, something to do with stop it, you know, freezing time and, yeah, you know. You control that. I think plays. you investigate yeah. scenes and you can pause and break down the scene visually. And what was that? It sounds curious. What was that game on? Um, Heavy Rain? No. This was like Xbox, PS2, I think. Oh, gosh. You could stop time. It was the first game that really did like bullet time. Oh, man. I don't know. Matrix was a game that was on PlayStation. It had that play functionality. That, yeah. I do feel like it's flashing in my brain what you're talking about, but I don't know if anything I'm gonna, is coming to mind right now. I'm going to figure this out. There's a guy's name. But that's coming out. I think that's something to look forward to. And we've talked about this a couple times. Destiny. Destiny actually has some new content coming. I believe it's April 14th. Uh, higher level cap, new equipment, new PVE um, to play with, which is pretty great. So that's interesting. I think I might turn it on just to download the content because it is included with the content that I've already purchased. I think I'll play around with it for an hour or so, see what I think about it. And I'm curious to see if that's what gets me back into Destiny. But so I don't know if it will be. I don't know if it'll be enough. You're going to give it another chance? I think though, so. I mean, okay. I've already paid for it. And I think that's what's hard about season passes is that it doesn't all come out at that one time. So it's spread out. That's kind of the intent is to keep you coming back. They roped you in, yeah. Yeah, they did. They got me good. You know, I've paid for it. And so it is something where I am going to, I think I'm going to check it out, see what it has to offer and see if it's enough to keep me coming back because it was a game I was turning on every single day and I haven't had a game like that since. But like I said, it did lose me as a gamer. It doesn't have me coming back right now. I'm curious to see if it does. Max Payne was the game I was thinking of. Max Payne. Max yeah, that's Payne. a very popular game. Yeah, that was the one who kind of did bullet time. Yeah. And that's what, you know, that's what this... Uh, What's it called again? It's not Heavy Rain. We just said Heavy Rain. What, what's no, the, Quantum Break. Quantum Break. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, That's Quantum it. Break. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask you something about The Division. You So th there's truly an endgame to this thing? I thought it was a so, like MMO sort of. Yeah. So when you say endgame in, in, I guess, this context, it's not necessarily like Star Fox where you beat the game, boom, done. Or Mario beat the game, boom, done. Endgame content and an open world environment like this or like Destiny, typically what that means is that 
side quests and missions like that might reopen for you and they've become now more challenging. Or there might be some content that you were barred from playing through the normal game until you reached the max level cap or until you completed the main storyline. So once you do that, there are now challenge missions that will open up, which typically you'll need to be level 30. Typically you'll need to have a group. Typically you'll need to have really high level gear to be able to compete in these. And then they have what's called the dark zone. So the dark zone is where you do get arguably the best gear in the game. And when you reach level 30, that is definitely, I think, where you're going to be spending some of your time. So end game isn't necessarily like game over, um, you know, play the whole thing over again. It is essentially the main story content is complete. But now you focus on uh, group things usually or um, challenge modes of levels you've already played through. And, and you had already done that with Destiny. Prior. Destiny, that's what I've been doing for you know nine months, is mm-hmm. the game, the story content, isn't incredibly long. You could probably beat it, I don't remember, 10, 15 hours maybe. That even sounds a little bit long to me. Uh, but once you've completed that, you can replay every single level. You can go do PvE, so player versus environment, uh, or PvP, player versus player, and get some longevity out of that. And that's that's what I was doing a lot with Destiny. Uh, I'm sure I'll end up doing a little bit of that with The Division. Right now, it's still a little early. I don't see The Division keeping me hooked and keeping me coming back daily because it hasn't so far like Destiny did. Interesting. So, yeah, I don't think I like I've your little little Destiny flip-flopper placement. over there. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking forward to it. I, I was hoping it would be, but... Uh, Destiny I put down a long time ago. I feel like once I've you know gotten to end game content in the division and maybe played it for a couple more weeks, I'll be done. I think as soon as I pick up Quantum Break, if I do, then I won't be coming back to the division. But we'll see. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So one thing that I started thinking about when you were talking about Ori in the Blind Forest, you mentioned that you started the game on easy mode. It got me thinking... When you start a new game, what do you usually start it on? I think, you know, each game is different. There's going to be easy, medium, hard, uh, novice, intermediate, advanced. Uh, But essentially, it all means the same thing, easy, medium, hard. What do you usually start the game on? That's actually a good question. Um, I know it's a good question. That's why I asked it. (laughs) All right, settle down. Um, I... If it's an experience that I just want to get through, if I'm more captivated by the story, I think, um, and the art and, you know, so on and so forth, like Ori, um, I'll pick easy because I want to see that game. It's not necessarily, I I enjoy playing it and now I really enjoy playing it, but um, there's something about flying through it and hearing the different, um, you know, the different scores in the different areas and seeing the you know the the art direction in each of the different areas that's there that's that's important to me and I I like that so being able to kind of blaze through the game part of it just to experience those areas is um is the reason why I'll start a game like that on easy um and also if it's an old game that I haven't I've never experienced but it feel like there's a hole in my like um library or yeah. I you know it's just something that I need to have under my belt I'll I'll you you know, I'll set it easy and just kind of blaze through the experience. Um, if it's a brand new game, I will start it at normal. I don't normally go beyond that. Mm-hmm. Although I'm hearing more and more and more talk about like hard difficulties being yeah. sort of the real experience, like the core experience of a lot of games. Yeah. So how about yourself? Yeah, I think so if we were talking easy, medium or easy, what is it? Easy, easy, normal, hard. There we go. And sometimes, if, question, sometimes if it's not hard, it's hero. Yeah, I think I was just thinking Halo when you said that. I think, yeah, there's the easy, uh, normal, hard, and then whatever the incredible difficult, you know, incredibly difficult one is. I generally will start on normal. I feel like normal is a good playthrough. You're going to get some challenges in there, but not anything that's going to want to make you pull out your hair. And if I've completed the game on normal and it piqued my interest enough, then I'm going to go back and play it on hard. Hmm. 
And I think that's my general rule of thumb. I don't usually play games on easy um, because I feel like I'm missing something and I can't exactly think of the game, but I, I want to say it was an RPG. I don't think it was Mass Effect, but I feel like there was this RPG years, years back where if you chose easy, it did a lot of the combat for you. So you chose what your options were. You chose the conversational pieces, but it basically fast forwarded the combat. No, Does it that was, sound somewhat familiar? Yeah, uh, I, I didn't play it, but I think it was... I think it wasn't a Mass Effect two. It might have actually been. They I have like this. It is there right. Was, there were two paths. You could be there was like a, or there are three. You could play the full game, which you yeah. both story and combat, and then you could yeah. also play the you could play a combat focused version or a story focused version. Yeah. So there you go. Right. So I I've always associated easy with I'm missing something. Hmm. So I'll usually whether that's correct or not, but that's the connotation that I have with it. That's how I associate it. So I usually don't play it on easy. I will I will almost always start it on normal. Um, and I'll actually go as far as to say always start it on normal. Um, a lot of games like Gears of War or Call of Duty, they'll have a little description under the easy, medium, hard type thing telling you what you should do easy. If you're here for a casual playthrough, choose us. If those, you're here, those you know, crack norm- me up. Yeah, what, right. What do, you, what do you think? What do you think yeah. easy yeah. is? <laughs> you know, normal, it says if you've played before and you're familiar with this kind of control, go here. Hard is if you're in for a really difficult challenge, you want to go with us. And so I usually go with normal. I feel like it's my play style. I don't want to be overly crushed. Uh, when I'm playing a game. But if I really enjoyed it, I'm going to go back and I'm going to play it on a harder difficulty. Mass Effect is my example for that. I played through on normal and then I went through on hard. And I'm again, I'm stretching my memory here. It's been so long. I think if you beat that on hard, it unlocked an insane mode or a more hard mode. So I ended up playing through that as well. But I played Mass Effect, I think it was seven or eight times. So I got a lot of play out of that game. But yeah, I would say normal as well. I think... The part of my decision to stick with easy, yeah. you know, first and then or do normal, whatever it happens to be. One of those two is like life's too hard, man. Like I'm playing <laughs> video games to not have to do that, like yeah. not, to not have to for it to be so insanely hard. And if there is a game that's hard, it's designed as hard. And that's that's the only thing that you're playing is a hard yeah. game. And Zelda, I would argue, is that. Zelda is a hard game regardless. There's no settings. There's just a difficult game you're about to play, a challenging game that you're about to play. Um, Although I think I, like I think in the Twilight Princess HD, they have a couple modes. And it might, it might just be um, you take more damage or, you know. Yeah whatever happened that happens. everybody's scaled up a level your enemies yeah, yeah. you're not quite as powerful I, i'm not sure what all the details are but that tends to be the sort of you know i guess what the setting that changes is yeah a couple couple numbers on the bad guys go up your numbers go down have fun yeah um one thing that's interesting about ori in the blind forest is there's a fourth difficulty that you can pick right from the get-go and that's mm-hmm. I think it's called One Life or something like that. But it's basically a permadeath um, setting. So you can kick off the game and you go as far as you can get without yeah. dying. And uh, if you win, great. Uh, my game would have been over like super quick had I picked <laughs> that up the tutorial. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, but I think that's interesting that this the idea of permadeath is becoming a bigger, bigger trend in games. I, I do see it. Yeah, a lot. Um, I think the Fire Emblem games are are sort of emblematic of this. They- a lot of games have that. Uh, I was heavily into Diablo for a long time, and they do season characters. I forget. I, I didn't play uh, at that point. I didn't choose a season character. But the idea of permadeath is super scary to me. I don't. I never ever play those because for me, I just the way I think about it is this: I'm going to, if I even get that far, invest. 50 hours into this game only to have something stupid happen. And it could be with something like Diablo, which is an online only, you have to be uh, connected that something's going to happen. My internet's going to go out and then boom, I'm going to get hit by a bunch of enemies and that's how I lose my game or I'll just suck and I'll lose my game. Somebody will walk in front of the TV or something. Exactly. Right. And I can't, that mental stress 
before I even started the game is too much for me to handle. I won't do it. Yeah, I won't do a permadeath. I'm not that kind of gamer. Not not my jam at no. all. It's too intense. No, but I'm I stressed I, right now thinking about it. I and know. I'm not even doing it. I know. I don't like it. No. Freaks me out. Yeah, man. I'm uncomfortable. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> so every, moral to the story. Just just yeah. play on easy. Yeah, man. Go easy. Life life's too short. <laughs> There's too many games. There's life is hard. Life is already being played on hard mode right now. And I honestly feel like I've even stepped it up a notch and I've gone into that insane mode. <laughs> yeah. So I'm all about that. I like that perspective. I'm going easy mode for me. Breeze through your games. Yeah. That's what they're there for. Because <laughs> then you can feel really good about yourself. Yeah. So what's in the news? So I feel like this has been a very, very busy week. There's been a lot happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, GDC is one of them. Mm-hmm. GDC is uh, it's a big deal. Uh Big focus of GDC, or at least what you know from what I've been reading or trying to stay up to date on, is all the um, the VR stuff that's been coming out of there. Yeah, and it's coming out like insane amounts. They're not letting up. I almost felt like this was going to be another you know 3D TV type push, where at first you have you know everybody saying, "Oh my gosh, 3D TV is the next big thing," and nobody I think really believed that. And here we are today, and 3D TV is. Nowhere to be found. You can, but I don't think anybody's actively seeking it out. And I thought VR is going to be that same way. It's going to be the talk of the town. It's going to be the flavor of the week. But it seems to be picking up a lot of traction. And you have a lot of really big names behind it. Facebook is invested. Sony is invested. I'm sure Microsoft's going to show up sooner or later. Um, There's There's a lot of people, a lot of companies in this space right now. The biggest news that I saw uh, regarding VR was um, the, the pricing of PlayStation VR, which is three ninety nine, yeah. which is you know sort of pulling that same that same maneuver that PS four did is to some regard you know undercutting everybody else that's already announced. Yeah, um, and uh, trying to like that's that's their power play is we're much cheaper than you know every other headset on the market and it is but let's put an asterisk next to the cheaper piece yeah when it's priced at you know 499 um that's an investment 399 homie 399 well we'll give them the 100 bucks but 399 asterisk again because what you do also need is the camera which is not included interestingly enough in their bundle and that's 49 dollars right there so oh, really i didn't realize that yeah 349 or 390 what is it 399 plus now 49 for that camera unless you invested in it before uh and the sticks those hand sticks whatever those are called are also not included as well they're the move so, aren't they yeah you so can tell that, how much i really that, care about vr because yeah i'm so so uninformed of this i think it's one of those things where i'm not planning to jump on the bandwagon right away i yeah. want it to exist for one year two years maybe and I want there to be incredible content. There isn't a system seller right now. I don't know if there will be for a while. But then again, I haven't seen it. I haven't experienced it. But I don't know if that's the experience that I want out of my games right now. I like sitting down on my couch and hopping on my 3DS or, again, sitting in my chair and playing on my Xbox. That's the experience that I want right now. Yeah. But it is getting a lot of traction. I just imagine me putting goggles on, and the first time yeah. that I put those goggles on is the first time that my house is broken into without me knowing it. Yeah. And by the time I take them off, everything's missing. Yeah, and there you are. You're 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 naked at that point too. They've stolen your clothes, and you don't even know. Yeah. Bonus would be if they sucker punched me while I had yeah. goggles on too. Like yeah. that just I'm. You would I'm, just think it was an incredible virtual reality experience, and you're actually getting tactic haptic feedback at that point. If it lined up, yeah, sure. Yeah. But like. I don't know it. I'm sure there are fantastic experiences. I got one of those. Um, we subscribe to the Sunday Times, and they sent yeah. around those the the cardboard ah, sponsored yeah, by goggles. Google. Yeah. Um, and I threw my threw my phone in it. I used it. I thought it was fascinating. It was yeah. really really cool experience. Not a game by any means, but it yeah, was I've just, seen uh, that with the Star Wars experience. There was a Star Wars VR that you could put in, and, yeah, uh, and check out. I thought that was pretty cool. It it, it didn't you know sit me you know like floor me it didn't say oh my gosh i have to go and immediately invest in this technology but it'll be interesting to see what happens 
you know, going forward? I think the experience is, um, I, I don't know what to predict. There, there probably will be really cool games or smart yeah. people out there, innovative people that are going to think of things that I would have never even considered, um, yeah. you know, for games and same with movies or, you know, just they won't be called movies or games. It'll be some other type of experience. It's just a yeah. VR experience. And I think there is incredible potential to do some incredible things um, yeah. to make you feel and see things that you never dreamed of or only thought were possible in dreams or, yeah. you know, um, yeah, I, I think to me, the most intriguing thing, there's a couple things that are really intriguing about VR to me. One is um, from a totally nerd perspective, it's um, audio, mm-hmm. like how audio is built for VR experiences. When you look around, yeah. how the audio is shaped around you, to me, is it fascinating. Changes. Yeah. yeah. Um, Us Two Games, the folks who did Monument Valley, and they have a new um, VR game out. Um, they did a whole blog post on Medium about, um, about how they built audio around their VR experience and and the difficulties and in, in sort of the... the tricks and and whatnot that they had to do to make audio feel realistic and how much audio can make an experience feel real like how mm-hmm. dependent on audio it is it's not just visuals and looking around it's yeah um so the audio piece is is really really interesting to me um and then the accessibility piece of vr to me is super interesting like mm-hmm. if you if you're somebody who is you know i i guess for lack of a better term or um for lack of a better example somebody who's possibly immobilized like think of the experience of being able to to see another part of the planet you know from your couch per se um somewhere where you may never be able to go um or see yourself like instead of seeing a picture or a movie about it you can potentially feel like you are living in that area or, yeah. or actually experiencing life in that in that spot and that to me is fascinating um, i agree i think that's a you know an interesting take on it i'm sure that kind of stuff will happen i think that that's incredible that we really can at this point almost in the game be sitting on our couch and experience that kind of thing i could be in tahiti if i want to you know by simply downloading that app whatever it's going to be However, you get that content. That's pretty incredible. I'm mm-hmm. curious, like I said, what what it's going to do and how it will take off. But I'm not sold yet. And I think price of entry right now is going to be a difficult thing. And just like 3D TVs, which were priced out of most people's budget, I think VR is in that same boat right now. I think that you are absolutely going to have early adopters who have purchased them, and that's happening. But for me, I don't know if I'm going to go drop $500 to try it out, you know? Yeah. But, you know, the same could have been said about any other form, you know, of media when, when it first hit. Yeah. So we'll just have to see. Two guys yeah. who really haven't experienced it to its fullest. And there's a lot of people out there. I saw some tweet that was, um, there are two types of, of people, or, um, two types of people who have uh, opinions about virtual reality, those who have experienced it and those who haven't basically, or much more eloquent than that. Um, but that's the idea is like everybody who's tried it has said, this is something, Mm -hmm. this isn't a gimmick. This is certainly something. Um, and then any naysayer is somebody who just hasn't even tried it. Yeah. And that's the thing. I'm not, I'm not saying, uh, I don't think I'm a naysayer at this point. I think I'm a, curiously interested individual who has yet to try it but i'm wondering just like a lot of people how am i going to be able to do that i i'm not in that position right now where i'm looking to go again drop 500 dollars, and i think that the casual gamer that will not be something they're going to be investing in the avid gamer yeah i'm sure they're lining up right now to get that experience but i don't know I guess how I'm going to be introduced to it. And that's what I'm more curious about is what is that going to look like? Where am I going to get introduced to it? And will I get floored? I think I probably will. I'm interested. There's a Star Wars experience where you are wielding a lightsaber. If there's Star Uh, Wars, Scott will come. There I am. And I believe it was even 
crafted by ILM. I think mm. they actually did it. But it's part of the, the battlefront hardware, experience, isn't it? I don't think Maybe so. Maybe this is something different. Yeah, know. but the requirements they talked about, I'm not even going to be able to competently talk about it, but they had four dedicated CPUs and GPUs to process this thing uh, just because there's so much going on with that kind of world. I mm-hmm. do not have any sort of dream of owning a machine that will have that computational power to be able to process that kind of thing in my home right now. Um, and even when you look at the specs of what Oculus wants you to have, again, your average consumer, even some of your above average consumers are not going to meet those system requirements. So am I going to go out and buy a thousand dollar machine just to have the bare minimum requirements? And then on top of that, go, go drop, you know, five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars for the equipment. I don't know. I don't think that that's going to be the, I don't know, the level of accessibility that it needs to be to be heavily adopted up front. But again, it depends. There are so many people backing it right now that I do think it has legs and I do think it will uh, pick up steam. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm looking at the, um, I just pulled up uh, PlayStation VR on mm-hmm. Wikipedia and I mean, they got a pretty solid game list already for this thing. Um, I think 50, but you know, again, yeah. I don't know. Are we talking quantity or quality? And out of 50, sure. how many of them are going to be a five minute experience and how many of them are going to be worth experiencing again? 50, I mean, PS4 didn't have 50 launch titles. So yeah. I don't know if I'm impressed by the number. It's great. And it's great that I'm going to be able to say I have 50 things to do, but out of those 50, how many am I really going to want to do? Mm-hmm. And, you know, until they're out there in the wild, I don't think anybody can answer that. There is certainly Star Wars Battlefront VR, and that is an exclusive. So it sounds yeah. like you are uh, you're getting in line. Maybe. I'll try it out. You know, I'm curious. It's probably going to be, you you know, your average retailer. You're going to be able to walk in and try it out. But um, I don't know. Do I want to put that helmet on after 75 people before me? Some of which potentially have many things going on, like mm-hmm. lice. Do I want to put that bad boy on my head? So, and you said about, you know, like, I, different story for you and I. I own a PS4. You do not still. Yeah. For some crazy reason, huh. Ugh, you're killing me, man. Well, so let me so let me answer that by talking about something else. This is strictly rumor at this point that but, you're going to get a PS4. Well, no, that's that's factual, I think, but in the future. But there is a rumor going around this week about something that is being called the PS 4.5. Mm, I or heard about this PS 4K. So. The rumor is... Before you say that, I just want to say, back on the VR thing, if you own a PS4, this thing is built to work with the PS4, so it's additional $399. You have that powerful box sitting under your TV already if you have a PS4. If you don't, though, yeah, you're shelling out. But what's interesting, though, is it isn't powerful enough. If you're looking at the contents of the virtual, whatever they're calling it, I don't know, it actually comes with a box that you need... And it will provide the extra performance boost that their VR headset needs. Well, do, so I was reading about that little box. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that it does is, this goes back to my earlier point, it, it provides the audio. Mm-hmm. It's there to help drive that the 3D audio, which I think is fascinating. Yeah, but yeah you're right. The PS4 there, doesn't have that hardware built in. Well, sure, yeah, of course. Yeah. But it's... Uh, yeah, but that's part of the package, right? You pay your three ninety nine, you get that little box. So my question is: this PS four point five, this PS four K, whatever you know, is rumored is they're talking about it being a hardware change, which is really interesting because typically when you're talking about a hardware change on a console life cycle, it's not necessarily that they're beefing up hardware, right? They're not putting a better CPU, GPU, more memory, anything like that. We're typically looking at a hardware form factor change, mm-hmm. right? PlayStation 2, PS Mini, right? PlayStation 3, PS Slim, PS4, question mark. We don't know what that next one's going to be. Genesis had it. The Super uh, Super Nintendo, I think, had it. But Absolutely. I, I Every constant generation almost had it. Yeah. has, right? So they have this the mid-life yeah. cycle refresh. And that refresh is usually, again, hardware but it is a form factor change not an under the hood type change game boy pocket 
Yeah. What if this PS, you know, this rumored PS 4.5, PS 4K is actually a form factor hardware change, but on top of that, they do modify the hardware inside and it includes whatever's in that little box now inside the PS 4.5. It includes a beefier CPU, GPU memory. It supports 4K. That's interesting to me. And to me, although it is a rumor, is it worth waiting? And the question I have for you is, is it worth upgrading? Would you go out and trade in your current PS4 for PS4.5? All right, so I've got a couple takes on that. So Mm -hmm. first off, we have seen this once before, um, at least once before, um, and that was with the 3DS recently. 3DS Mm -hmm. and became the new 3DS, which is more powerful. Yep. Um, and I held out. I was I was on the cusp of buying a 3DS. There was a lot of titles I wanted. They released a new 3DS, and thank God I hadn't bought it yet. I held out, bought that, um, and yeah, that was awesome for some for somebody who hadn't bought into that generation early on. Which the 3DS had been out for how many years before they did the the new 3DS? It was yeah, quite I some. I, I mean, I've owned mine. I feel for three or yeah or so around there. It was quite some time um, before they re released and. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the original 3DS came out in 2011 and I bought my new 3DS last year, yeah. 2015, something like that. Like th- there's some good time between those two. Um, so in thinking about the PS4, which has been out two years, two, three years now. Two, yeah. Yeah. Something like two that. Years. Um, I've had some really great experiences on it. I probably will not upgrade. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no real reason for me to upgrade. I don't own a 4K TV. I don't own a 1080p TV. I own a 720p plasma that, you know, my wife's had around since before we even knew each other. Um, mm-hmm. And so there isn't a reason for me to upgrade. I don't plan on jumping into the VR, um, you know, the the VR... Fold. Fold, yeah, sure, fold. Um so uh, there's, I don't have a reason to, for that power. Yeah. Um, right now, down the road, maybe. Yeah. But we'll have to see how that all pans out. I, it's not something that I'm racing out getting. I wouldn't get any more out of it. It wouldn't yeah. compel me to buy a new TV or even, you know, buy a PlayStation VR because I haven't experienced that yet. There's nothing yeah. else has sold me on it. So I think I, for me, the rumor is enough to have me hold off, and that could be damaging. Why? Obviously, to the company. Do you have I, anything that would that would need it that would require more power or that you would get gain something out of having more power i think 4k would be rad do you have a 4k tv not yet dot 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 so if you bought a 4k console would it push you to buy a 4k tv i would have to I would have to, I don't know. I don't have a hard yes on that one. I would Mm. say that like one begets the other, I guess. If I had a 4K TV, I would be more likely to get that console. If I had that console, I'd be more likely or more, you know, to want to get a 4K TV. But going back to the 3DS, although it does have more powerful hardware and it has an extra thumbstick, I believe, how many games are actually exclusive to that system and how many games are actually taking advantage of it all these new super nintendo games that are coming out on on virtual console they require it the new 3ds yeah well that bums me out because i don't have the new one so i'm barred now from that experience so that helps my argument actually what does that do for sony then and this is again purely speculation. It might not even be worth talking about. But what does that do for Sony if they now have essentially two different versions of PS4? One's more powerful, supports 4K. One's less powerful, does not support 4K. I'm a developer. What do I do? That's a real interesting argument for the developer side of it. I mean, yeah. I I think you build everything 4K if you can and downscale. And you, yeah, I mean, you let it sort of gracefully downscale if it can, yeah. but. But now you're having to downscale all those assets to something. I don't know, man. Yeah. For, like, for a podcast, for a podcast called problem. Ported, this is a real interesting uh, conversation. Yeah. yeah. But who knows? Yeah. I think so you buy a PS4. News this week. 
And uh, one more thing too, Microsoft has a quote-unquote temporary price drop on Xbox One. Uh, multiple times this has happened now. I'm curious to see if this becomes a more permanent price drop, uh, especially a few years in now, especially, you know, we're months off from going into holiday season, but it definitely makes them more competitive, especially when you have not only a price drop, but bundles as well. It makes it a more appealing purchase. But what, but what game? I mean, yeah, you've got that, but what games? I mean, think about the the other marketing push, all these little marketing pushes behind PS4. I mean, if, if PS4 5 is a, you know, 4.5 is a, you know, reality and it comes out yeah. this year. So you already have something that's bigger and better than last prices, I would say likely going to stay the same and the other one's going to drop or phase out. Yeah. And then you have this other thing, PlayStation VR that's being pushed out. I saw a commercial today for PlayStation TV or something like that, which is their, they're starting to promote their, um, you know, cable cutting, cord cutting solution, which is, you know, hundred channels on PlayStation four. Um, they just have a ton of momentum and it's not an insanely priced console. I think, you know, Xbox could drop its price as much as they want, but do they still have any games that you want to play? Yeah, I think they do. I mean, that's the system that I've invested in. I think that I'm not seeing as many games that are driving me to a console right now. Quantum Break is going to be one that I want to play, Division, but that's not unique to Xbox. Um, Uncharted 4 is unique to PS4, and that would be one that would get me to go out and buy a PlayStation 4, which they did announce it's done. It is going to ship, which is great. Uh, but that would be a system seller for me. I don't know what Microsoft system sellers are right now. I think their system sellers are the fact that I can go out almost any day of the week and find an Xbox One bundled with three AAA titles included. That's that's a system seller right there. That's how they're getting those out the door. Yeah. I don't know, though. I, I just still haven't found any experiences. And maybe this is just me, but I have not found... Other than Ori in the Blind Forest, Yeah, I have not found one game that i have just been that i've no and i agree with you my shelf is pretty empty i don't you know we talked about this before my xbox 360 i owned 70 plus games Mm -hmm. all of which i looked forward to i followed avidly and i wanted and i got and i played to death Um, right now if i look at my shelf you know and i'm going to include digital purchases in there as well do it i'm looking at a handful of games i'm looking at i think three or four yeah, I mean, I've played... And I'm three years in at this point, and I'm somebody who used to spend, on average, uh, between $100 to $200 per month purchasing and playing games, and now I'm down to nothing <laughs> per month, Yeah, which I, is not what they want to hear. I PS4, I've, I've did this off the top of my head. I've played through and loved um, Shadow of Middle-Earth, or mm. Middle... Jesus, let me start over. Yeah. Middle Earth, Shadow of Mordor. That um, played that. Thank you. Um, you did play it. Was that on? That was on Xbox. Yeah. It was on Xbox again, not an exclusive game. Okay, cool. Yeah. So correct me where I'm wrong here. So um, Middle Earth, Shadow of Mordor. I played the New King's Quest. Um, I played the first episode of that, which I thought was great. Um, I played The Witness. I played Firewatch. I'm playing. Um, what am I playing right now? On PS4, actually, I'm not playing anything on PS4 right now because Ori's on um, on Xbox. So maybe it's not a ton, but I feel like those experiences that I have, like there's so there, there's such a, a richer catalog to to choose from, and those are those are games tailored for me, and none of those are really gigantic AAA things aside from uh, Middle Earth. No, I agree, and I think that you know a lot of the ones that you did mention right now they are exclusives, and that is typically what make somebody lean towards purchasing one console versus another. Um, but for me, and again, I don't know, is it age? Is it just I've lost a little interest? I don't think so. I'm sitting here doing a podcast about them. I love games. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm not finding things that are really drawing me in anymore. Battlefront. Battlefront's exclusive to PS4, right? Battlefront. I don't you know, Star I don't know Star the answer Wars? to that. No, no, definitely not. It is a multi-platform. I've played it on Xbox One. The new what? Yeah. I mean, what they'll do is they will get, and this is how they're doing it now. So we're seeing less, well, I don't know this to be a fact, but I feel 
like we are seeing less console exclusive games, but we are seeing more console exclusive content. So you will buy a game on Mm. PS4 and then Xbox One. And Xbox One will have a certain content exclusive to it. And PS4 will have a certain content exclusive to it. Yeah. And they both are not going to be, you know, that content is not going to be available on the other console for one, two, three months. They'll have a bar basically that you can't get that content or you may never get that content. Uh, Destiny, again, great example. There are some weapons that are exclusive to PS4. And that will be that way probably for a long time. I don't know if that will ever change but that's what i feel like we're seeing a lot more of now less exclusive games more exclusive content that that sort of brings me to my next um story that that crept out was um microsoft wants alluded to this idea that they would they're looking forward to a future where there's um cross-platform multiplayer or Mm -hmm. whatever it happens to be opening up the door for you know, you buy Battlefront on Xbox One and I can play with you on my PS4. And yeah. that's, we talked about this last episode, I think, was that that dream of the, the one console dream. And if it's not one console, being able to to play with, you know, people on other consoles is another part of that dream. You know, this yeah. goes all the way back to like Super Nintendo Sega stuff where there was the, the console war where you had almost every game was exclusive until you hit, you know, like Mortal Kombat where there was the Nintendo version and the Sega version. The Sega version had blood and the Nintendo version, the Super Nintendo version didn't. And there was, yeah. you know, that's kind of what ignited these little, like, you know, these these little fires. And it, it, to me, it would be amazing. And I, I'd almost like, if I were entering the game space for the first time and had no knowledge of how this thing worked, I would assume that if I bought the same game on PS4 as my friend had on Xbox One, I would be able to play across mm-hmm. across platforms. Um, that was one of my questions when I looked into to getting Destiny or when Destiny first came out was, I have a PS4, am I going to be able to play with anybody else, you know, on another platform? And, you know, folks right away were like, no, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't work that way. I've never really been in big into, you know, online multiplayer or anything, but I just kind of figured like in this day and age that seems like you should be able to do that. Yeah. Um, so the idea that Microsoft came out and sort of pushed on this and said that it's something that they're very interested in and w- would like to do um, was very interesting. And maybe that's another swing at the fence of like, we need people to get into this console, you know, if it's a price drop and if it's allowing other folks to play with their friends that are using, you know, PS4, get them into a cheaper console and allow them, you know, to play with those people. Like those are, those are interesting pushes. And then Sony's response, I guess, was sort of interested, but not necessarily directly at xbox one yeah i i mean i will be the naysayer here i don't see this becoming reality anytime soon yeah i think that and again my ignorance is going to show here i don't even know if you can play on your xbox one with your pc counterparts so if they haven't been able to achieve it on their own their own platforms when we're talking about windows essentially it's a unified experience now though windows 10 has bled into Xbox One. So that's where they're talking about that cross-platform, I think. But it's 2016, and we haven't accomplished that yet. I don't see anytime soon Microsoft and Sony coming together and saying, yeah, let's make that happen. Also, from a technical standpoint, I don't I don't know how that would happen. Um, again, I, I don't have that knowledge anyway, so I'm not saying I should know how it's going to happen. But I, I don't know how they're going to achieve that. And I, I think that would really start to significantly blur the line of why should I buy an Xbox One versus a PS4? And I don't think any of those console makers have an answer to that. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I don't see that becoming an immediate reality uh, at all. I don't. I think that's that's farther off than virtual reality. Man, I don't know. I just wish, I wish that were, you know, true that i wouldn't have to worry for those you know if i buy one game like yeah if that game is not an exclusive game i don't know just doesn't it just bums me out that yeah that it's still held so close to the chest on that particular console yep 
bums me out. Really well, I agree. Me. And I think that um, same thing with content, when you withhold content from one platform versus the other, it's disappointing as a gamer. Why? Just because I chose to purchase an Xbox One with my hard-earned dollar, am I being blocked from certain content? And on the flip side, why? Because I chose to buy a PS4, am I being blocked from certain content? You know, that's a hu- I think that's a huge conversation though there's so much that goes behind that and you know i just wonder if it's getting to if it's getting to a breaking point or if 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 it's totally justified itself and it's going to continue for quite i don't know i'm almost curious to see because i almost think that you know these companies sony microsoft and these developers they're trying to figure out a way to break the gamer i think they are because gamers they're not saying no this in-game content that is you know $99 for one character, this expansion, this season pass, which has, which you haven't revealed, but you're okay charging me $30 for. Uh, Let's keep doing that. Nobody's saying no. These pre orders where we'll take your money, but we will deliver an incomplete game, uh, Microsoft, Halo. uh, Nobody's doing anything about it. We're not, as a gaming community, doing anything about it. So I'm almost kind of i'm almost thinking it's doing it intentionally we're just trying to see how far we can go uh before before somebody does say something i don't know though i don't know i'm disappointed as a gamer because i feel like i'm the one who's disadvantaged and it's disappointing for me it's it's continue it's continuing to push me to wait on games instead of doing day i the only game i pre-ordered maybe ever was star wars battlefront i was just excited at how it looked not yeah. a shooter guy but i was a big star wars guy and they hit yeah. you know they hit the mark right with you know it the release being so close to uh, episode seven yep so i was on that hype train um so i pre-ordered the game why not um but other than that it's like delivering broken games or incomplete games and then this continual you know release of definitive editions like Ori that I just bought, it's mm-hmm. it justifies me sitting on the sidelines for some time, even if that means I'm out of a conversation. Who cares? I don't play online. I, I you know, I rarely speak to anyone, mm-hmm. let alone. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm your only human contact. That's right. <laughs> um, no, but I, I, you know, I don't engage with a lot of people about these conversations, so it doesn't matter if I'm out of the loop on a particular game. I can wait until they give me all of those items that have only been on Xbox for, Mm -hmm. you know, a year or whatever. And I can go back and play that game and see what everybody was talking about. Like, so they're, you know, they lose a sale there, at least for me, until they release that bigger definitive edition that costs less and has way more stuff in it that I'll probably never even touch anyway. Yeah, I still waited for it, <laughs> but I like knowing that I have it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, or you know, they've just waited too long, and now I'm playing other things that I get a complete package the first time I play it, like Firewatch, like Witness. Yeah, you know, they broke even. By the way, I'm very happy for them. They hit half a million copies sold, Firewatch, and they broke even, which is great. They worked very hard on it, and um, it's nice to see. Yeah, it's a, it's really cool. I hope. Like everybody, I think every outlet that I've been reading, um, you know, from Polygon to the New York Times, it's just been, you know, excited and eager to see more of these types of um, games, you know, just I think walking, walking really. simulators. Yeah, and passion yeah. projects. I mean, these people, you know, one of the articles I was reading, I have to find it, is it was from the developer, you know, saying I've been offered and I have offers for much higher paying jobs and I could go there and I could have job security and know that at the end of the day I'm working for a large company who's paying me a good amount of money. I chose not to do that. I chose to be in this small group of people who really believe in this and want to create a product for you, the gamer. And they did that. And I think that's really rad. You know, it's a hard decision to make because it takes years to put out a product like that, but it's gotten critical acclaim and now, again, they broke even, which is really nice. That's awesome to hear. Mm-hmm. And um, I hope that we see more of those. I hope that, you know, I think that Sony has done a really great job embracing that community. Mm-hmm. And that is nice to see. And I think that's why you're seeing those games coming out on PlayStation because Sony's done a great job with that. Yeah. 
Um, if you get a chance, you should, um, if you're not already listening to it, listen to the Idle Thumbs podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, the most, if not all of the guys on that podcast are, um, are working at Campo Santo or are mm. part of Campo Santo, the developers of Firewatch. And, and they like to, um, you know, they've been talking a little bit about the process. Um, but it's, I mean, they talk about the game industry, period. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's nice just to to sort of get to know those guys, at least uh, on a one-sided conversation, and, and listen to them. Smart yeah. guys. Real smart guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's all I got. That's it. We did it. We done did it. Another episode in the can. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this week. Be sure to visit portedpodcast.com where you can find links to our Twitter and Facebook pages as well as a link to iTunes where you can leave us a review. As always, don't hesitate to reach out to tell us about your gaming memories. Until next week, I'm Scott Taylor. And I'm Kyle Starr. <laughs>